Hey everybody, welcome back into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Annie Moeller and Ahmad Hicks. We had a lot of not very related things uh, on the docket here. A potpourri. A potpourri, there we go, perfect. A potpourri, if you will. Uh, let's get into the biggest talker here on social media. That might just be nothing, but it is kind of fun to talk about. Um, in the last 24 hours or so, a report from The Athletic that things are not so sunny for the Chargers in L.A., which a big shocker there, um, and that a move to London or somewhere else could be in the cards. Now, this is from uh, The Athletic's Vincent Bonsignore, who, Andy, you said he's the Rams beat writer there for them. Um, we've heard kind of rumblings and people kind of having fun with this on Twitter the last month or so. Taylor Twelman like, tweeted out like he had insider information about – Ooh, the Chargers might move to St. Louis like a month ago. That made everybody start talking as a as a gift to get St. Louis to back off the the lawsuit. Basically. Yeah, as yeah, as yeah, that was the original. That's what we had been talking about first, and now we've got some more maybe substantive stuff. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it like in an actual big story that hey, the NFL is uh, legit worried about the Chargers and they might end up moving. This was more focused on London, uh, which is I think the NFL would want more than anything. But that's not happening. Did you? They see, want a team in London. Did you see Dean Spanos? Yeah, he. I was. Gonna, I was going to get to that. Yeah, he. That, uh, that's not happening. When asked for a comment on this story, Spanos uh, used some some colorful language mm-hmm. and said it was just a bunch of BS. I mean, uh, think about it. How do you get eight home games over there and map it out where eight? Because normally when they go to London, they come back, they have a bye the following yeah. week. Yeah. So how do you give teams a bye? What do you? I, I thought about it last night because I'm like, how could this work? And my only thought was. The London team has to travel to the United States for the first four weeks because there are no buys the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then after that, everyone would have to start taking turns out hmm. there. Like, that's too much travel on them to come yeah. back to the States, then go back and play a game four days later. Listen, they want this to happen really badly, though. Yeah. They wouldn't have been playing these exhibitions if they didn't want a team there, I don't think. I think this has always been part of their plan to grow sure. their brand. I think it would, honestly, I think an NFL team would work better right there right now than two teams in L.A. I think that's pretty... Uh, Easy to say, because I think the fans would over there would eventually get to it. But, yeah, it would disrupt everything. Yeah. And I think in this, I don't know if it's this story or somebody else's story uh, related to this, how if the Chargers would go to London, they would move to, like, the AFC East, the Dolphins would move to the AFC South, and the Texans would move to the AFC West. Well, to your point about the scheduling, I guess that what they would have to do is they would have to, you know, they one of those four-week stretches um, – you know, they would have to come over to the U.S. and play their divisional games plus one other, mm-hmm. their divisional road games, that is. I, there, there's a, I mean, it really would be, uh, would turn things upside down. But look at it this way. You've got a team that, that probably really didn't want to go to L.A. in the first place. Mm-hmm. They left a market that, although they wouldn't build them a stadium, the fan base there was pretty rabid. Mm-hmm. You, you see any game that, that's held at that, uh, at that soccer stadium they're oh, playing gosh. In there. And the Chargers are still playing a road game. Yep. Whoever is whoever is the visiting team, and I use air quotes there, they've got more fans there than the well, Chargers. This past week, the Chargers beat a good Packers team, and the majority of people in the stadium went home unhappy. I would assume <laughs> because man, that was a Packer. Uh, the Packers travel better than probably any team in the NFL, anyways. But I mean, it was just a total takeover. I think Andy can speak on this better than Corey and I can, but. In our day and age, the players that we watch nowadays, 
I don't want to call them prima donnas, but man, they find a way to complain about everything, these professional athletes. And I bet you can, like, NBA players and them complaining about having to play 82 games and stuff like that. And then can you imagine NFL players now talking about, oh, well, first you wanted to add on games. Now you want us to travel yeah. 12 hours to go play over here and then come back. And I think the union yeah. would be against this, don't you? And the, I, players I, the Players Association would definitely want to, you know, fine, you want to put a team in London, no 17-game schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, that's off the table. There would definitely be, I mean, there are more problems that would crop up from having to deal with this than the problems that it would solve. It's just, it's a mess. But, you know, I've subscribed to the old where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing that, you know, if all these stories didn't come popping out of here, it's not quite an admission that, boy, we screwed up. But, I mean, how else would you read into this that the, you know, <laughs> that the, that the uh, but the NFL would never admit to making a mistake. No. But how else would you read into this? This is, I mean, this has been a mess from January of 2016. I remember when there were rumblings about the Chargers coming here before the Rams left. It was the Chargers yeah. and the Panthers or well, whatever. Well, we thought there might be a swap of some, yeah. or there was, yeah, there was a bunch of different scenarios, and there was like a, I don't know, a few days when like, oh, we might get the Chargers and the Rams move out. I remember that. I'm all for the NFL and saying. Well, yeah, let's let's get to yeah, that here I'm because this article is about London a lot, and that's kind of I think where the NFL would want to go. But there does a St. Louis keeps popping up in some of these stories as a, a landing spot for teams that that might be on the move. Um, listen, <laughs> I, I've said this I've said this multiple times in the sports office. It would make our jobs a heck of a whole lot more heck interesting yeah. if an NFL team moved back here, and it would be pretty cool. But as a fan who's just – I mean, Frank has made this uh, comparison a lot of times. It's like a scorned ex-lover that you just w- keep going back to with the NFL. Do we want them to come back? I don't want them to come back. I want them to stay away as a fan oh, and as man. a resident of this area. I-, I don't want anything to do with the NFL. I'll let Andy go first. <laughs> You got you got a lot of un- things to unpack. Oh there, yeah, don't for you? sure. <laughs> I, I would say from from my point of view, I would love to see a team come back. I just think of of all the you know the hurdles that would have to have to be taken care of here. Fine, you know they're they're going to drop a team in our lap. Well, we probably have it. We have a dome that hasn't had any you know any improvements made to it for how many years now, and a practice facility that has weeds growing up yeah. you know, around it. Um, in a I, region that's probably not going to give a penny to anybody coming, no, and they shouldn't. No, I don't. I, they shouldn't. Yeah, there there will not be one penny given to no. the NFL, or and even if it looks like it's going to the NFL. Yeah. So uh, you can give us a team, but um, it's not going to be around very long, <laughs> unless the NFL is willing to open up the uh, open up the bank, you know, the bank vault and pay for improvements to the stadium, new practice facility. Well, plus so we got the XFL. We don't want to compete. I mean, <laughs> now hear, hear me out on this, guys. You're getting the MLS program. The Cardinals are they're about to be thriving and surviving it moving forward. And you have the Blues who are playing at a high level. Why not? We don't yeah. have a we don't have a football program within two hours of us. Champaign is almost three hours away. Mizzou is two hours away. Who do we have to look forward to when we have all these excellent? Division one football players in our backyard. They go on to play on Saturdays, and then eventually some of them go play on Sundays. Why wouldn't we want to root for these guys coming to our stadium? Not necessarily that. Not saying that you have to necessarily like the team that's coming, but you'll love the stars that come with the NFL here rather than the XFL and the five players you know on the team. I'd like to see Melvin Gordon in person, Thank and you. you know I think Mike Williams. I would like is seeing Ezekiel Elliott come back and play the yeah. Chargers in St. Louis. That would be a great game. 
Uh, I would not like to see Melvin Gordon come here as a member of the Chargers. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, but but you know, but fantasy football is an entirely different topic that we'll have to weigh in on another time. Let's uh, here. Let's Frank Cusimano do, uh, dove into this when we first heard about. Uh, maybe they'll swap the Chargers to make the lawsuits go away. Let Let's take a break here. We'll hear what he had to say about this as he debated himself uh, with one of his commentaries. Here he was. I don't care how crooked and lying the NFL has been to us over the years. If there's an NFL team out there to be had, you go for it. I mean, it's better than cutting your grass on a Sunday. First of all, I bet you don't cut your grass. Get a hobby. Take your wife on a picnic. Look, I don't need marital advice from you. If you have a chance to be the home of one of those special 32 NFL cities, who cares what has happened in the past? Imagine having Philip Rivers as your quarterback. He's thrown for 56,000 yards. Oh, the same Philip Rivers who's on your fantasy football team who you complain about every week when you lose. And I understand you've been doing a lot of that lately. Easy, my team plays a little better later in the season every year. Back on topic. Even if the Chargers aren't very good, you'll get a chance to see Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Russell Wilson perform in our town. By the way, that's a good looking sport car. Thanks, bought it new. Here's the thing, why would you want to be associated with a league that has torn our hearts apart twice already? Do you like punishment? Not particularly, but I do love the league. And besides, we're not getting Stan Kroenke as the owner. Yeah, now we're getting the Spanos family, and the people in San Diego feel the same way about them as we do about Stan Kroenke. What do you know about football? You were a Division II basketball player. Ooh. Well, that'll do it in sports. For that other knucklehead, I'm Frank Cusimano. So that's Frank's take and Frank's other take. And I, I think that's how I feel and that's how a lot of people feel. We're conflicted because we like football and it would be good for, for down at downtown. People, I think, would be at least a little bit interested. I don't think it would be a total flop. People would show up. The Chargers are not bad. Um, but we just think oh, about there's it, so you much can, hurt. You could have baseball descending. Hockey and midseason swing. You have MLS and yeah. then football. That just brings money and revenue towards downtown St. Louis and in a city where it, it needs change and it needs growth. This brings growth. Well, and you have to admit that the NFL is smart in the, the way that they've worked the calendar now. It used to be that there was there was nothing on the uh, you know on the horizon from the Super Bowl until uh, until the draft, which was I think back in May you know or even in April. Well, now they've got NFL on the brain 24-7. Yes. They have figured out there is something going on with the NFL constantly, so they're constantly in the news. But I need to, I need to kind of uh, take a little uh, detour off the highway here. You know, seeing the, 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 you know, Frank's uh, you know, dual opinions on this <laughs> answers a much larger question for any of us who work around the newsroom with Frank. Frank is is constantly everywhere, and now we know the answer why. There's two of them. <laughs> That's pretty good. He is everywhere. All right, let's move on to some teams that are actually here right now. Uh, college basketball starting this week. SLU, we're recording this on Tuesday. They're starting tonight. Let's talk about them first. Pick to finish seventh in the A-10 after winning the tournament last year. That's some disrespect, hmm. I think. I, um, I think it's fair. Well, they lost. They lost. They lost, uh, they lost some talent. big pieces. It's fair. And I, I've got this on here uh, to talk about. I think they're really going to come into their own next year. So this is, I think, going to be sure. a, a building year. But still, I think they're going to use that slide as as some uh, some fuel for the fire because there's a lot of talent still on this th team this year. This will be a team that. 
that grows by experience and being able to play in those 18 games and being able to play against those senior-led programs. Obviously, they're young, seven new faces to the team, only two remaining, three players who played in last year's tournament game returning to this team. So they will be really young. They will be really tested. But you have to look at the makeup of this roster. Yeah. They are built to last. They are. And it's they... amazing how it's constructed. So I think you get excited about this year. But when they do have those close losses or, or those tough games, you just have to remind yourself, this is a very young team, and they're going to grow from that experience. And I do think that next year is the target year because the leaders of this team, Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French, are juniors. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they've still got another year to come back. They've got a year to blend in with these seven new faces. And I'm really excited to see Yuri Collins yeah. play mm -hmm. because he is a uh, he's a scatterbug. He's all over the place. But um, – you know, I, I sort of remember hearing that, uh, you know, Travis Ford would hand him the ball his freshman year and wouldn't take it back until he had played his last game his senior year. So. Yeah, and well, he, he played a lot in the last exhibition game that I attended last week against Kentucky Wesleyan, and he didn't start the first half, didn't play much in the first half, but when he came in, he could create his own shot, he could get others involved, and he could play defense at the point guard position. And I think that's one thing you'll see from this slew team is they'll be a very aggressive defensive team, uh, pressuring the ball 94 feet. And uh, their shooting may not be there. We don't know their rotation and who's yeah. going to play yet. They still have to iron out those wrinkles, but uh, they will play good defense. They, they need some shooters, and they need to get better at the free throw line because yeah. they were one of the worst shooting free throw teams in the country last year. 10 for 21 last week in their exhibition game. If Collins has the talent that we, that we think he does – Imagine how much better of a player Jordan Goodwin is going to be because he yeah. doesn't have everything on his shoulders mm -hmm. now. Collins can run the offense. You know, he can be at the, the be at the point on defense, and you got a fresher Jordan Goodwin who's driving to the basket, and you know, and causing uh, you know, causing things to happen late in the game when he's got more energy because he's not running around the court uh, directing the offense. How, how much fun would it be if? They just keep building and keep building. We have like a perennial. It doesn't have to be like a blue blood or anything, but like a perennial, be, yeah. a perennial. Lots of fun every year. We're excited about SLU. Just everybody. I mean, I think, it's only kind of in little niches now, but I would like them to see grow their fan base. I think Travis Ford is up to something. Yeah. With Gibson Jimerson, they say he is the best shooter Travis Ford has ever laid eyes on. So you have a guy that's six five, six six, can shoot. Yuri Collins. Then you see, we haven't even talked about. Uh, Terrence Hargrove yeah. and what he's going to bring and the athleticism and then Jimmy Bell, a seven-footer who's still trying to find his own right now. That's a good makeup of freshmen right yeah. there that look like grown men. Yes. Slew should be exciting. Might end up being the best. Well, we'll see. They might end up being the best team we talk about here. They definitely were last year. Mizzou, let's go on to them next. Pick to finish at the bottom of the SEC again. Uh, lots of local kids. Torrance Watson in his second year. Tillman, uh, Mark Smith, and uh, Javon Pickett. I think this season comes down to just how good is Tillman going to be and can he stay out of foul trouble? Because, I mean, we, he has the talent. Uh, he wants to play in the NBA. It's time for him to show that he can do it. And if he can stay out of foul trouble and maybe grow or uh, carry those guys down low, I, I think that's going to be huge. And then the two, Smith, the two Smith boys, Mark Smith and Drew Smith, Drew Smith, ineligible last year because of transfer from Evansville, they're going to count on them for a lot of offense. So I think it's the Smiths and Tillman are, are, are big for Conzo and the Tigers this year. If Tillman is among the, the Tigers' uh, leaders in minutes played, yeah, then they will be more successful than we expect them to be. But he's shown for two years that he just cannot stay out of foul trouble. And he does no good to anybody sitting on the bench. No. 
He's the tallest guy on the bench. Well, that's not a good thing. So well, he has to be. Mizzou able to isn't play. exactly uh, doesn't exactly have a bountiful uh, supply of guys that can play down low. Whenever he's out, they have to adjust their lineups to to fill in. And usually, guys are kind of playing out of position. At least that's what it seemed like to me. But they got some exciting guys on here. I, I Torrance Watson was lots of fun in high school. Um, he was okay his first year. I think he could maybe break out this year. He's got the talent to do it. Uh, a picket from from Belleville, always well. He kind of fell off at the end of last year, but there was a stretch when he was their best player. He's always kind of in the right spot. Uh, I mean, there's some reason to be excited here. I, I, they'll play. Uh, I, I think they they got him pegged decent there. I think they'll finish at the near the bottom of the SEC, but I think they'll be a little better than people are expecting. I, I like to agree with what you said. I think my only problem and only concern with the Mizzou Tigers are. Too many players that are just like one another. They don't really have that one go-to guy where you know he's going to get you a bucket whenever you need a bucket. Yeah. There are too many players that are just similar. You're like, oh, okay, he can shoot, but he can't create his own dribble. Or he can create his own dribble, but he can't shoot. So then when you get those guys on the court at the same time, they don't complement one another. Yeah. One name that we didn't talk point. about who I don't think will see a lot of minutes this year, but I think he could just bring that explosive playmaking ability to their offenses, Mario McKinney Jr. Yeah. I mean, he's not a guy who can knock down shot after shot from outside, but he can push the court, he can push the tempo, he can get the ball to Tillman down low and make life a lot easier because all eyes will be I'll be interested to see how much playing time he gets and how he kind of fits into the whole rota- rotation. It's a lot of guards in front of him. Because I think both, uh, you got the Smiths, you got Pinson, uh, Pickett, Pickett. Pickett. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of guards to choose from. So McKinney's going to have to carve his way out there. But I mean, we've seen the high. I mean, he puts up highlights in, in high school. He's so. one highlight dunk away from playing every day. Yeah, and, and he's and he's quick, which I'm not quite sure the other guys have. So yeah. if they can utilize his quickness, you know, if he gets a he gets a little run going, he's you know he's a one man dynamo. So. I'll just say like this: none of those players on this paper that we talked about had highlight films like Mario McKinney in high school. And he's That's been playing true. against top top competition for a while now. Let's move on to Illinois here real quick. And I'm gonna admit I don't I'm not up to date <laughs> on my Illini basketball knowledge that much. I know they've got some guys who are still young but they've had to play for a couple years. Trent Frazier is one of my favorite players to watch in all of college basketball. He can shoot, he's fun, he's fast, he's got that big smile. I love watching Trent Frazier and the country kind of likes Illinois right now. They received votes in the latest AP poll. So they like what Brad Underwood's doing up there. Uh, they got some, uh, some momentum, I think. I think bragging rights will be fun. Uh, but other than that, that's about all I got in Illinois. I think, guys a, I think a lot has to do with them getting some AP vote to Ayu Desumu yeah. and him deciding to come back you know, for another season with the fighting Illini. That's a guy that can stretch the court, shoot the uh, deep ball, and also create his own shot. So that, plus the amount of bigs that they have down low, not, I don't know, they're not household names yeah. just yet, but I do think they have some talent. I think, you know, Underwood has been quietly building. He's had, you know, two losing seasons here. And, you know, I think before they, you know, before they really take off, you know, there's probably going to be another year of growth here. But they're certainly – I love those guards. Yeah. I think DeSumo is, you know, is a lot of fun to watch. And uh, and Frazier, you know, the two of them can really can fill the bucket for next year. should be in for uh, fun bragging rights mm-hmm. this year. All right, let's touch here now on uh, Ahmad Hicks' beat for what seems like <laughs> the last – it seems like every week we've got some new kind of controversy in high school sports in St. Louis. And they've become just not little. They've become big stories. Mm-hmm. And Ahmad's been on the forefront of all of it. We just had another one this week, McClure North, playing in an eligible player. 
Ahmad, break down this latest one and just what what this last uh, this high school football season has been like for you. <laughs> so it's been pretty chaotic, that's for sure. I think this last one was not as bad as Cardinal Ritter. Cardinal Ritter, they were blamed. They were obvious. They tried to manipulate the system and they got caught. Uh, this one, I, I believe it was just an error. They had a player who thought the paperwork had cleared. It didn't clear. They ended up playing him. The truth behind that, I don't know. You know, <laughs> there's always another side to the story, but it doesn't seem – as bad as Cardinal Ritter, but the fact of the matter is they played an ineligible player. They're 6-3, and three. and if we look in their district where they finished uh, their seedings, they finished third in the second in the district with a 6-3 and three record, but they should have lost some wins because of that. They mm -hmm. should have forfeited some of those wins. They should have gave up their standings. This all, according to the Misha guidelines, when dealing with an uh, um, ineligible player and their handbook. So last week they had a bye, and this week they play Parkway West. Well, a part of their self-reported sanctions was, oh, well, we'll give up our home playoff game and we'll go play at Parkway West. But other coaches are now scratching their head like Webster Grove's like, wait, you should have had some wins vacated. You should be lower in the standings and you should be going to go play the number one seed, Chaminade yeah. and Brady Cook in that offense. Yeah, well, so, the, yeah, you yeah. get to negotiate your own punishment <laughs> Exactly. Here? And so when I, I contacted Misha and I said, hey, I said, shouldn't they vacate some wins and give up their standings as far as the playoffs? And he goes, yeah, you know, that's the minimum punishment for uh, according to the handbook, but uh, the school can apply for a lesser punishment. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> what? I was like, so the player, we have no idea if the player will be playing this Friday. Um, if Cardinal, I mean, I Cardinal, if McClure North will have to vacate wins, they will, but we're still waiting on Misha to make a final decision. But it looks like right now they're going to play this Friday, and – yeah, and Webster Grove is frustrated because they should not be, be playing too. the number one seed, yeah. you know. So it's a lot of drama going on. But like I've alluded to a, a long time ago with people outside of this podcast, cheating happens everywhere in sports. Mm -hmm. It starts in JFL when parents want to group their kids up and play for the best teams. And then AAU basketball, they want to play on the best team. So then in high school, you find ways to cheat and move into the school districts and do stuff like that. It happens. It happens. I'm not saying everybody does it, but it definitely happens. Well, there is that line of thinking. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Exactly. <laughs> and who wants to go to a school where you're the best player and you know you're going to lose nine games every year? I hate to admit it, but it happens. It yeah. does happen. Well, most of it happens in, like, the district and, like, moving and, kid and trying to get kids into schools. I This ineligible player that – I mean, I have I mean, heard of that every once in a while, but it seems like every week something like this is Look, happening. Look, I, I grew up in this area. I have friends who played in this area, and I'll just say I won't burn any schools by saying this, but players have been cheating for a very long time. <laughs> players have been living in the wrong school districts for a very long yeah. time. And I saw something, I think it was in Los Angeles. If Misha were to go do surprise address checks, for all of these schools and make sure these kids are living in their, you know, school districts, I guarantee you we have a lot more kids oh, ineligible. Man, yeah. I guarantee You're you. right. And you'd be a lot more busy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ahmad's on that. He'll stay on that. Hopefully no more drama like that the rest of this year. We'll see, though. Uh, last thing here on this episode. It was announced yesterday, former Cardinals catcher Ted Simmons going to get another shot at the Hall of Fame. Annie and I have talked about this a lot. Frank's done a, a few commentaries here. He missed by one vote. Last time he was up for election by uh, the Modern Baseball Committee, I believe, which is what he's up for again. I think this, well, he was turned down by the normal baseball writers. He fell off that ballot, and then I think it was two or very three. Very early in the Yeah, in the, he didn't last the, very long. No, he did not last then long. Two or three times by one of these committees, and this is either his third or fourth time with a second chance. I think this is finally it. Uh, he's got to get a good electorate, though. Because we've seen, we saw last time, Tony LaRusso was on 
the Harold Baines one, and it was told that he just kind of swung the whole thing. Him and uh, who's the White Sox owner? Oh, um, uh, Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf. He was on the committee too, so they kind of swung the whole thing and got Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. Who's if you look at the numbers, probably not a Hall of Famer. Ted Simmons, if you look at the numbers, is definitely a Hall of Famer. Rick Hummel's on that committee. Well, he was on the committee too. That because uh, I thought oh, that, this too. That came up with that the, came list, up with the list. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, um, I would think he. Uh, you know, uh, as someone who watched Ted Simmons play for a lot of years and admired. I mean, he just every time he hit the ball. It was it was it had some juice to it. I mean, he had, he was a line drive hitter. He drove in runs and he played on a lot of bad teams here in St. Louis. You, know, you, you millennials are are, spo- <laughs> are spoiled by going to the playoffs every year. But uh, every year in the 1970s, the Cardinals failed to make the playoffs. And meanwhile, there was a catcher over in Cincinnati playing by the name yeah. of Johnny Bench, who you know. Built a well-deserved reputation both defensively and offensively, uh, and it and it impacted Simmons not only because um, you know this Hall of Fame thing, but he didn't even make a lot of All-Star teams, yeah. and he had no shot of winning the player vote, or, yeah. I mean, of winning the, the the fan vote every year because Johnny Bench constantly, you know, was among the leading vote getters in, in the All-Star. Vote. Second all-time catchers in hits, doubles, and RBI of any catcher that's ever played baseball. Third in that. Third in games and at-bats, 11th all-time in war. Everybody else ahead of him is in the Hall of Fame except for Joe Maurer, who's not eligible yet. Um, I mean, it's catchers are very underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's really not that many because uh, the off, their offensive numbers often aren't um, what they see as the standard for the Hall of Fame. Uh, but, I mean, this is a no-doubter guy who should be in and I, I think they'll they'll make it right here although he's got some decent competition on this list there's a lot of decent competition to me the, you know the, the the part of his resume that that maybe is a little tarnished is his defensive abilities mm. everybody sees the hitting well you know you look at somebody and okay is he a hall of famer all right well let's well, look for the weak spot he wasn't Mike Piazza and he wasn't Yadier Molina and he's right. somewhere in between and that's tough and not only that but i would say i you know i would contest that you know that that they said he was not a great throwing catcher well compared to Johnny Bench very few yeah. catchers were i think that his i think he could call a, he could call a great game he was constantly dealing with young cardinals pitchers um and i you know, I think the defensive I think the defensive rap against him is undeserved. So this could be a very cardinal themed Hall of Fame weekend in Cooperstown this next year if everything works out right. You've got Ted Simmons who could finally get in. You've got Mike Shannon up for the Ford C Frick Award and you've got Larry Walker in his last year of eligibility trending very positively and I think he might Derek Jeter's the only shoe in this year. So I think Larry Walker could get in the Hall of Fame as legend, which I think he deserves to as well. So we could have a very Cardinals uh, weekend there in, uh, in Cooperstown, which would be kind of fun. I wouldn't mind seeing a sea of red in Cooperstown. That'd be a lot of fun. Alright everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. We'll have a new one coming at you next week. Be sure to download, subscribe, and rate and review. Right Andy, you got to rate and review as well. Thanks for joining us.